before we look into the word of God, let's all bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace. And when especially times are changing, unexpected events, loved ones leaving this earth, and we are left behind. We pray that all the events that have transpired would be to us uh, an awakening, uh, introspection, a reflection as to what our purpose is here on this earth for such a short time that we are here. We pray that your word would go forth this day in its power and yet in its simplicity that each and every one of us may hear and believe and obey. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> For this morning's text, I'd like, with the Lord's help, to turn to John, the Gospel, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. The Gospel according to John chapter 5. I'd like to start reading with the Lord's help from verse 15 of John 5. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father, which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that beareth, heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the man hath life in himself, for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. 
and hath given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man. But the things I say, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He, that is, John, was a burning and shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself which sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I received not honour from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe, which receive honour one from another, and seek not the honour that is that cometh from the Father only, from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For ye had, believed, had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. For if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let us kneel, kneel down and worship. O Lord our God, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, wise, holy, 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 just and perfect, and of great mercy, love, and compassion toward his creation, dear Father, whom he wants that they should choose to love him, to obey him. I will not force anyone to do so. O Father, we thank thee that thy goodness has been revealed unto us in Christ Jesus so abundantly that it is his will that all should come to realization of the truth and be saved, even those that have heard many times and rejected, still patiently waiting. Again, we have been reminded how life can be brief and that things can happen unexpected. Therefore, it's important to choose today, while it's the day of grace, to come and submit unto the gospel of Jesus Christ 
We thank thee for this opportunity that everyone that gathered here has now to hear thy word, Lord. May everyone acknowledge that it is thy holy word which invites men unto salvation, thy holy word which saves to the uttermost those that submit to it. We pray, O Lord, for those that have heard thy word many times and are approaching even age, dear Father. The time flies, years go by, and they still are not saved. O Father, open their eyes at the urgency to realize that they can be called tomorrow or even this day out of this life. And what did you expect? If you look into this world, O Lord, we see there is no hope. Again, the clouds of war are are on the horizon. There are nations pitted against nations, O Lord. Killings and injustice happening everywhere, dear Father. There is no hope outside Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank thee, O Lord, that we can still proclaim freely thy word here in this place, that whosoever will may come, O Lord, hear thy holy word. We pray, O Lord, that they may heed it, for it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God, to have rejected the invitation of grace that is being offered so freely to us at a great price of the beloved Son, Jesus Christ. O Father, impress this upon the hearts. Let them taste some of the terror there is to fall into thy hands, that they may realize it's a terrible thing. O Father, yet thou wilt love those that come and submit unto thee. We pray that thou anoint the brother to speak thy word in simplicity and truth and go forth. <clears throat> Dear Father, be with those that cannot be with us here, especially the sick and suffering. Upon them also that they receive sufficient grace for the day to bear. There are many dear ones that we like to see here but are hindered. Oh Father, again, a young man has been called out of this life. Impress this upon, especially upon the young people among us, that they cannot postpone without giving account, dear Father. Have mercy upon them, have mercy upon us because we love them. Help us be thou in our midst. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When we read through the scriptures and see all these situations in which our Lord and Saviour found himself, all the, as Hebrew says, contradiction of sinners that he was faced with, when there were those that with the so-called religious elite challenging him in every corner and trying to trap him in his words. And finally, when they couldn't resist the wisdom that he had, wanted to kill him, wanted to do away with him. Verse 18 of chapter five says, therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but 
he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. This happened again in the events of John chapter 9 when he had healed the man that was born blind. And again, Christ claimed himself to be the one that came from God and through his power he did this. They sought the more again to kill him. And finally they did. In book of Acts chapter 2, Peter in a very powerful but short sermon said, you know, these things, you know, you did by wicked hands. By wicked hands you have crucified the Lord of glory. Has the mind of man changed at all in 2,000 years? The Jews of that time, the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, were so uplifted, high-minded, proud, boastful, because they had what they believed was the truth. Today we see the same thing, not only in religious circles, but especially in government, where, where decisions are being made that just completely violate the law of God, where murder is openly accepted through abortion, where they've been given fantastic, tremendous opposition and rationale as to why it's wrong to take a life of a child, that it's a, it's, it's a human being, and where seals and whales and, and vegetation is more important than human life. They want to preserve all these, but they don't want to preserve a fetus with a beating heart with every, every member of his body still attached to him. After 22 days, the heart beats. And you see them in Parliament, in Congress or Senate, and they have these very assertive speeches and they know what they're doing. And, But when you look at it through the eyes of God and through the eyes of the Bible, how pitiful, how depraved has man come to the depravity of completely devaluing the sanctity of human life and other things. Perversion, sexual perversion moral corruptness. It's no longer what you know, it's who you know. That's been for a long time. And Jesus was faced with these, these people of his time. The events that led up to this 
passage that we have read was the healing of the man that was lame from birth, was paraplegic, from, was paralyzed from birth. And Jesus approached him and he asked him, would you be made whole? For 38 years he was like this. Would you be made whole? And the question comes in, why would Jesus even ask that question? What kind of a question is that? Of course he would be made whole. I think one reason perhaps that Jesus made that, asked that question was because he's got a parallel in our spiritual lives. If you ask a person today if he would be made whole from his um, physical infirmities, of course I would. But if you ask a person, would you be made spiritually whole? He may give you a different answer. Even though he believes in a God. Even though he believes that there is a creator. And, and, and we have many examples of that in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. There are those that believed in a God, that believed in a creator, that believed even in the judgment and in the resurrection. I'm just amazed when Paul, in this last rally of, of meetings with Felix and Festus and Agrippa and Herod, when he, when he met them, at least those three, Felix, Festus and, and Agrippa, the responses that they gave. Felix trembled when he heard about the judgment and righteousness. He trembled. I think it was Festus that says, come back some other time. Uh, he can't take it now. And Agrippa, Paul says to him, you believe Agrippa, I know you believe. I know you believe. And if you would ask them, do you want to be made whole of your sin? They said it with their actions, with their words. No. Why? There's too much to give up on this earth. There's too much to give up on this earth. You know, I studied the, the word judgment this morning in the Greek. It, it can be used in different ways. One is the word um, krimo. The other one is the word krisis, from which we get the word crisis. Krimo, we get the word crime from. And krino, the, the word to judge, the verb. And many times they're used interchangeably. It appears so. It appears so. In some cases, it's used as the word condemned or condemnation. So when you feel condemned, you feel judged. Or when you feel judged, you feel condemned in that way. In the other way, I think it's crisis. It's more like appearing before a tribunal, a magistrate, to be judged for your deeds, for your efforts. 
And Jesus said in John chapter 3, only two chapters before this, that he loved the world. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believed on, believes on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus has not changed his word. He has not changed his gospel from chapter to chapter. And Jesus said that there's going to be a day where judgment will come. Before the judgment will be a resurrection. Again, in the Greek, it's anastasis. It means standing up again. Before you were lying in the grave, now you stand up again. There's going to be a time where, where God will call every man from the grave again. And there's going to be a judgment. Verse 25 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath given life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. These are very clear, poignant, determined words spoken by our Saviour. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a judgment. And even though the word resurrection is not once mentioned in the King James Version of the Old Testament. But God speaks of it. And God and Jesus testified and witnessed that there is a resurrection even of Old Testament saints. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And then one day he'll come and stand on, on his earth, on his baby, on his grave, what he meant to say. And though this body be infested with worms, that one day through, that, through his flesh he will see God. King David, in Psalm 16, said, Thou shalt not suffer you will not suffer, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will not leave him in hell, in the, the abode of the death, of the dead. You will not allow him to see corruption. And, and Peter uses that psalm and says, this is speaking of the resurrection. David is dead and buried, he says, but he's speaking that Jesus will arise. And because Jesus arise, 
we will arise if we believe in him. Because I live, you shall live also, Jesus says. So dear ones, let's not be mistaken. There will be a resurrection and then there will be a judgment. And it says those that have done good shall be resurrected unto life and those unto, that have done bad have, have, uh, shall be resurrected unto damnation, condemnation. That doesn't mean if you're a morally good person you're going to be saved. He made it very clear that unless you believe in Jesus Christ, unless you honour the Son, you're going to be one of the damned. There are many religions out there with, that, that believe in doing morally, moral good. But unless you believe in the Son and honour the Son, it does you, does you no good. Why is that? It is because our own righteousness can never be accepted by our holy and righteous God. Because we fall way below the standard of God's righteousness with our own righteousness. Paul goes on to Romans very clearly and, and, and pointedly speaking about the righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because only Jesus Christ could be the one that could take away sin by his shed blood on the cross. And only his blood and, and his death on the cross and his resurrection can man find acceptance before God if we believe that this is what he did for our sakes. If we believe in him, if we honour him. Now this is a, this is a verse that, that, will, <clears throat> that many perhaps do not honour, if I can use that term. They say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. Do you honour Jesus? Do we honour Jesus? When God says in the law through Moses, honour your father and mother, that your days may be long and it may be well, up, well with you on this earth. Honour them. What does it mean? Respect their wishes, respect their desires, obey them. In some places it says, obey your father and mother. If we don't show obedience to the living Christ, we are not honouring him. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we don't keep his commandments, we are not honouring him. If we choose not to keep his commandments... We are not honouring him. And secondly, when we do fall, when we do fail, we don't honour him. That doesn't mean there's not a way back when we do fail. There's a big difference between seeking to do the will of God and falling into, as James says, 
some kind of a trespass. Or it's another thing to completely reject the words of Christ and go in your own merry way and do what you want to do. That's what Hebrews 10 means, I believe, when it says that they that sin willfully after they've come to the knowledge of the truth. They are sinning, living a life of sin willfully. They have forsaken that they were purged by the blood of Christ. They had forsaken the great sacrifice that Jesus made for them on the cross. Apostasy. It's different then every one of us can sin. I say can sin. It's possibility. Not allowed to sin. John says in, in chapter 2 of his epistle, My dear children, sin not. Don't sin. But if you do sin, you know you have an advocate. You have a paraclete. That's the word. You have a paraclete. A strengthener, a comforter that goes between you and the Father. He's interceding for you. And he is the propitiation. He's the sacrificial atonement between for your sin. And not only for yours only, but for the sins of the whole world, he says. Jesus said, verily, verily, back to verse 19 of John 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these things also doeth the Son likewise. What's he saying in there? I honor my Father. I don't do anything off my own bat. I don't do anything off my own plans. I listen to what the Father tells me, and I do them. Not because he has to, because he wants to. When we do things that, because we have to, but we don't want to, are we really honouring God? In other words, we're saying, God, perhaps I don't think you're right here. I'm going to do it because I'm afraid of your punishment. I'm not going to do it because I think you're right. I think this is better for me. At least now, I'll do it later, what you want me to do. He does everything that the Father tells him. For the Father loves the Son and showeth him all things that he himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these things that ye may marvel. In many ways, this is a parallel to what our relationship should be with God. God loves us. We are his sons. We are his daughters. And he will reveal to us more and more of what he wants us to do. He's not going to give us another job if we haven't done the, other jo the job that he already asked us to do. He's not going to entrust us with, a, with, with some kind of a mission if we refuse to do this mission. We only pick and choose what things we want to do from God. I want to sing for God, but I don't want to go and visit for God. I don't want to go and, and face people that are opposing my views on the gospel. But singing's good. 
I'll listen to beautiful Christian music. We do things because we know God wants us to do it because he loves us and we ought to therefore love him. We love him because he first loved us, John says in his epistle. Love is the motivation for faith. Galatians 5 says, it says that faith works through love. And when faith works through love, it makes it all the easier. When we do things because when we don't love, it makes it hard. And you just have to picture yourself, my dear brother in Christ. Why do you work and toil? Why do you go through difficult situations at work and fighting the traffic and, and, and hardships at work? Uh, maybe with people, maybe with the physical challenges. Why? Because you love. You love your family. You want to be a provider. God does because he loves. We need to do because we love. Faith works through love. And he said he's going to do even greater works than these that ye may marvel. Jesus, when he met with the disciples uh, in John chapter 14, what I think it was, he says, and you shall do greater works than I do. Why? Because I go to the Father. And I'm going to give you to do greater works. Who could do greater works than Jesus? Well, it's not any individual that will do any greater works than Jesus. But it's the power of Christ in us that is able to do the greater works. And what was that? What greater work is there than the miracle of conversion? When we go and we preach the word, we're not afraid to preach the word, to, to tell others of Jesus. Who else is going to do it? Did you know that unto us it has been given this, this mission, this commission? To us has been given this glorious commission to pass the word of God to others. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. This is Jesus speaking to the Jews. And they're probably thinking, what? what's going on here? Quickeneth is, a, is an archaic term, in, in, at least in the English language, which means to make alive. You've heard of quicksilver, mercury, quicksilver. It's alive. God makes alive whom he will, and he's given it to the Son to make alive. And how does that happen? Would, Peter says, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word is what will make alive. The word will convict. The word will give the, 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 the essential power within us to convert the heart. You are born again, Peter says. By the word of God which lives and abides forever. And he's committed all judgment to the Son. That all men should honour the Son. 
as they honour the Father. This was blasphemous to them. That they need to honour a man as they honour God. Why? Because they didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Because we already read in verse 18. They said that God was his Father making himself equal with God. They sought to kill him for that very statement. That he was the Son of the Father of God. That all men should honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father, which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You think that's an easy thing, right? Just believe in Jesus. All you've got to do is believe in Jesus and you pass from death unto life. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? He said that in chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Many say, I believe. I believe. But then they walk away. What do you believe? That he was? Do you believe that he just was? Many people believe that he just was. But do you believe that he was your saviour? And he is your saviour if you want him to. See, belief is not just a mental assent or agreement. That's not what the, the, the definition of belief is according to the word of God. That's one part of it. Is he is. But the word says that he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we need to believe, yes, Jesus is. But what is he to you? What is he to me? Because under this first surface of believing that he is, there's this other layer that says, do I trust him? Do I trust him? And then if I trust him, like I should trust him, do I obey him? The whole, the whole definition of belief is, is mental assent, trusting in him and obeying him. Those three pillars of faith in Jesus Christ. Do you trust him? Do you trust him for all your needs? Do you trust him that his word is true? Do you trust him that he will fulfill his promises? Do you trust him that he's going to come back again for his own, as he said? If you do, then you'll obey him.
He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. What a terrible thing to be in a prison cell feeling condemned, feeling condemned to die. You know there's going to be coming a time when they're going to come to get you, the guards are going to come to get you. And in some countries, not in Canada, but in the States, there's the death penalty where your life on earth will be snuffed out. Condemnation. Those that believe in Jesus Christ shall not be condemned. This earthly, this earthly sentence is brief, but it becomes eternal. If someone dies physically because of his crimes, that's not the end of it. Now he has to, fight, now he has to face the tribunal of God who doesn't judge men according to which family you come from, according to what the colour of your skin is. He judges righteous judgment, the scripture says. And he's given us more than adequate warning in advance on how to escape the wrath that is to come as John preached to the people in the wilderness. God is gracious. And those that believe in Jesus Christ believe, trust, and obey will escape the judgment that is to come. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. The dead in sin, the dead in trespasses. They will hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall hear and live. And my dear friend, outside of Jesus Christ, you have that opportunity today. Maybe the older ones will die of a heart attack, as our dear brother did. Maybe the younger ones may die in a car accident as the other one did. I remember sitting in uh, my kitchen in Australia. I was a little kid, 12, 10, I don't know. And we'd receive these reel-to-reel, um, for those of you that know what they are, reel-to-reel tape recorders back then that's all we had we never had cassette recorders or whatever brother Dave Kapasinski used to send them over to believers in Australia and I remember one song careless soul oh heed the warning lest your soul be I think it was you soon be lost
Oh, how sad to meet the judgment, unprepared to meet thy God. I remember that one very clearly. Jesus is warning not only the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees of his time in this chapter that the dead will rise. Everyone will rise when they hear the voice of the Son of God. Paul says in Thessalonians, it's going to be a trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And they'll be caught up in the air. But we which are alive will we'll follow after them. But what about those that are not dead in Christ? There's a fearful looking forward of judgment, according to the writer of Hebrews, I believe. A fearful looking forward to judgment. Why? Because they heard the word. These Jews heard the word of their time. The scribes and Pharisees were there with Christ, the Saviour, the Redeemer of the world, the miracle worker. They saw it. And because of it, they were even the more condemned. Marvel not at this, verse 28, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Just like Lazarus. In chapter 11 of John, Lazarus come forth. They will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will hear his voice and they will come out of the graves. Some, some shall come forth that have done good unto resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And as mentioned, that doing good and doing evil encapsulates Faith in the only begotten Son of God. It's not that his works are going to be, the good works are going to be outweighed with the bad works. And whichever wins will determine your destiny. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your advocate, if I don't have Jesus Christ as my advocate and my saviour, it'll be of no avail. It's going to be a resurrection unto life and a resurrection unto damnation. Jesus indicted the Jews. He said, you sent unto John and he bear witness unto the truth. But I received not testimony from any man. Some of them believed John, but they wouldn't believe Jesus. They came out to John's baptism. And John said to many of them, you generation of vipers, you, you generation of snakes, who had warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Do you just want the benefits of the kingdom without a commitment? Without believing in the Messiah? You still want to do what you want to do? You still want to live up to your own holy standards? Your hypocritical life? And think that that's going to get you into heaven? Call them a generation of snakes. Who warned you? Was it God? 
Or did you come out to tempt me? I don't receive testimony from any man, but the things that I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning, this is John, was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season. You were willing for a, a, a little while until it required full commitment. Are we of the type that we want to have the benefits of the, the kingdom of Christ, but we don't want to be committed to his work? To his cause. And you can read Matthew chapter 13 of the seed that fell on the different grounds, the stony ground, the wayside, amongst thorns and on good ground. And some were re rejoicing for a little while there, but when there was persecution and trial and hardship, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, they backed out. The Word of God is, tells us in so many different ways for us to see the big picture and we refuse to see it sometimes. Or we don't want to commit ourselves. It's too hard. Why? John 3, we just read before that, some love darkness rather than light. They love what the world has to give. They love the delicacies of this world, the glitter the glamour, everything that sparkles, but they don't want to put their hand to the plough and keep ploughing because it's hard work. It's going to be much harder for you. You know what? You can just look at many people that had that, that, that opportunity to do what they wanted, as much as they wanted, whenever they wanted, and you will see the grave hardships and the difficulties and the end that they had. Because some people think if you can have as much as the good stuff as you want, as much as sin as you want, that's going to be the most fulfilling life. In fact, it kills you. God wants to make us whole. God wants to make us whole, not just Physically, not just spiritually, but body, soul, and spirit, Paul tells us Thessalonians. Everything he wants to make us whole. And the only way to do that is to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then you can go to bed fully satisfied, fully fulfilled that what you are doing is wholesome and holy and good and pleases the Father. Then you can have true peace in dying. Know that you've given it your all. May the Lord, in his abundant grace, bless the word to us all. To him be the glory evermore. Amen.